Listener Production. Kick Bump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kick Bump Podcast, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. Well, hello there. Hi. To Mandy (laughs) and everyone listening in. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Now, at the start of this podcast, I am going to update you all because I have learnt something. Oh. We were talking the other week about Harvey's friend, Miss Rachel, who is, um, I think she's a speech pathologist. Her YouTube channel is Songs for Littles. I actually got, uh, Josh listened to the episode. Mm. He said, you did a really shocking job at um, talking about Miss Rachel. You As know in, that, right? Like didn't like, sell her. Yeah. Oh. And he was like, she's a speech pathologist. She said something about her teaching babies to like sing and dance. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and and then he was like, does that, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, also her show is not called Miss Rachel. It's called Songs for Littles. <laughs> like, okay. So that's that, that's that update. But that's actually, yeah. more important correction, uh, someone called Ashley messaged me on Instagram. And thank you so much, Ashley, for reaching out. She said that she was listening into the episode and she heard that I was talking about Harvey learning sign. And yeah, that, because so she teaches yeah. different words in sign. That's what Rachel does, yeah. Yeah, and, Rachel. and Harvey learned, what word was it again? More. more. And, and he puts his fingers together yeah, when right. he wants more. And it only really clicked with me later that that was actually sign language mm. and not just some like baby sign. Yeah, I think we Googled it. We did. <laughs> mid-podcast, yeah, yeah. And so she has updated me. Ashley, who messaged me, has said that there is actually different sign language in America, which is American sign, and then Australia is Auslan. So she has said that if you would, which she was, she was so like, it's so great that Harvey's learning sign because yeah. there is still similarities. And her little one is actually nonverbal at the moment, who's who's three, and mm-hmm. apparently she lights up when she sees other kids oh, using cute. sign, I love which that. is so sweet. And I think it's like the least we can do as well to yeah. like learn those little yeah. things. And she said that the best person to learn from that the kids love is actually Emma Memma, which, uh, you know, formerly known as Emma Wiggle. Emma Wiggle, yes. yes. I've seen her do. Yes. yes. Oh, that's great. So she did a lot of Auslan sign in the Wiggles show and like yep. on their YouTube channel, but she also on her on her new show does it too. So um, if you are interested in, you know, someone captivating, I think every little person is captivated by Emma Wiggle. Yeah, yeah. Much the same as they would be with Miss Rachel. Yeah. It probably does make sense if you live in Australia to get them learning. Yeah, okay. so is Miss Rachel American? Yes, obviously. she's yeah. American. So she's teaching like an, yeah. it's like American slang versus versus Aussie yeah. slang. Yeah, and I'm quite know? happy to switch over to be honest, because as anyone would know with a child, you watch things on repeat, and mm. I love Miss Rachel because she glues his butt to the couch, but <laughs> I'm really over it. <laughs> and I'm like, is his first words going to come out like American slang? Like, <laughs> oh, there's so many you know? toddlers yeah. that have American accents in my life. I, yeah. It's so strange it shows and, and cute. stuff. Yeah, like one of Cute, yeah, one of our like what? one of our friends' kids by was like he says like yeah like be like, like, what do you mean? No, but it's see, just like, what? I, it's so cute. If I'm going to have Harvey saying any accent, it's, I'm going to make him watch Thomas the Tank Engine so he gets an English accent. <laughs> oh, British. Like, that is so cute. Love a British accent. Anyway, so yeah, just an update. If any of you are interested in, you know, having your kids watch something that they can learn from and, mm. and it be sign language to maybe choose, if you're in Australia, yep. to choose Emma. Memma. I wonder if they have Aussie slang 
sign. Oh my like, God. Aussie slang. Like, servo. G'day. <laughs> G'day. <laughs> now that I would say. Servo. Aircon. <laughs> Um, Sorry. No, but, <laughs> but they are little sponges and they pick yeah. up on things so quickly and like I'm happy to that's awesome I'm so excited to learn more sign through my son I know who's right 18 months <laughs> old amazing <laughs> that's so yeah, yeah that's the update um, another Harvey update before we move on to this episode um, we recently went on a holiday to Queensland yes. which was just so needed and like it was the first time we'd travelled as a family and like actually had a break and so it was really, really nice. It was really just like family time. Mm, like I don't know needed. how to explain it. We caught up with some friends, but really we just spent a lot of time just together and like chilling out and enjoying the sun. Yeah. And Harvey slept well. The plane ride there wasn't too bad. Honestly, my tips for that is I bought a couple of new books and like one little like fake iPad, which like <laughs> literally teaches him Apple. Okay. Rad. Yeah, wine. yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I think it's American. I <laughs> Now he's saying apple. And so I'd kind of kept them hidden for a while and I brought them out on the plane because kids like get over stuff. Yeah. I can't just, there's like their favorite teddy, but then other than that, it's like, no, once I've played with it for a few times, I'm over it. And if you keep it so that it's brand new when he sees it on the plane for the first time, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he literally did, wow. Um, so we did that and then that was fine on the way there. I kept him busy enough. And then we were there, slept really well, I think because he was so active and like outdoors so much. He also ate pretty well too. I was just like, this is great because you hear these stories and this is kind of this anxiety comes over you before you leave on a holiday. I think as a parent, you think like, am I actually going to feel rest- yeah. rested yeah. when I come back from this? Like, or am I going to need a holiday from this holiday? Because yeah. this is a lot of work. And because kids can often, especially oh, at toddler age, exactly. can just become a nightmare while exactly. they're away and then, be, and then be thrown when they get back and their routine. like Exactly. And yeah. that's what I was really anxious about. But luckily, he stayed in routine the whole time we were there. He was amazing. And he's been great ever since. So it kind of like, it was one of those like reassuring moments that it was like, oh, this can work. Yeah. This can yeah. No, it can go have right. To be bad, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm glad to have a nice holiday. You're yeah. very bronzed. Oh, <laughs> it was nice to see some sun. So mm. today's chat is with the incredible Kelly Gardner. Now, Kelly and I, we actually started chatting on DMs because I can't remember if it was a friend of theirs that reached out and first told me about Kelly. I think it might have been, but I ended up giving her a dress to wear because she really liked this dress that I wore when I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. And she wanted it. So I was like, yeah, here you go. And then from there we started talking and I started to learn more and more about her story. And I just really, I really felt for her in the position that she was in. So to give a little bit of background, she is a Mm mum. She had her baby Sophia in August 2021. And three months afterwards, she was actually diagnosed with colorectal cancer, which is bowel cancer. Mm. And it generally only affects people over 60. So she was quite, you know, taken back by this. And the thing that she goes into, Kelly does speak a lot about this in the podcast. So I'm not going to say too much in this intro, but it's quite shocking when you hear about some of the symptoms from this because mm. I think when you're pregnant, your body is going through so much anyway. And a lot of the symptoms she spoke to is quite common in yeah. that postpartum period anyway. So I think why this kind of conversation is important is – once again, it's just a reminder why health checks and all of that sort of stuff is so important yeah. to consider, especially if you even have like the slightest hint that something isn't quite right. And that's what was 
with Kelly. She Something wasn't right with her bowels and she got checked out and then this is what happened. So yeah. she's doing well now, but I'll let her kind of, you know, you can learn a little bit more about that journey she's been on. But as you can imagine, like as a little family, it would be quite a challenging time. Kelly, welcome to the Kick Bump Podcast. Thank you for coming down because you're not you're not from around here, are you? No, I'm not. I'm from Adelaide, but friends in here, so all good. so nice. Well, thank you for joining. Would love to start with your daughter, Sophia. Just a little bit of a story of your family. Yeah. Okay. So originally pregnant in Sydney because my partner played in Sydney. So that's where we were based. Um, 33 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Lockdown was going to happen between Sydney and Melbourne. So obviously most of the football is in Victoria. Mm. So we got moved within, I think it was three hours we had to be at the airport to be moved. Obviously I had to come because I was 33 weeks pregnant. Anything can happen. We were in Melbourne for four weeks and then moved to the Gold Coast because then Melbourne was going into lockdown. Um, and then we ended up staying there in the Gold Coast and having Soph. Uh, we stayed in an Airbnb for her first month of her life and then moved back to Adelaide. And then um, three months after that, I got diagnosed with stage three cancer, but now it's stage four cancer. I mean, whirlwind of a start yeah. to your motherhood journey, I'm sure. Yeah. And so three months postpartum, yep. you were diagnosed. Talk us through that. How did that come about? What took um, you to the hospital in the first place? Well, a lot of the symptoms are just literally postpartum symptoms. Mm. So like, I don't know anyone that I've mentioned my symptoms to that I've had a child and not had the exact same right. situation. Like obviously, like constipation's one. We all know that yeah. we're too scared to go to the toilet yep. after having a child. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, my constipation lasted a lot longer because I actually had a bowel obstruction. But um, then there was the abdominal pains. Like, mm. I thought that I was just having the contractions that you have after, like, because I'm, I'm breastfeeding. Yeah. No. Then I had um, blood in my stool. And then that at that stage, my partner was like, that's not normal. I'm like, no, it's not. But, like, I feel like nothing I've been through the last few months is normal like yeah you question everything everything I mean I had hemorrhoids anyway. so I was like yeah uh, maybe it's hemorrhoids yeah. that's where my head went yeah exactly well that's what I thought yeah. as well I yeah. thought hemorrhoids and then um because my I couldn't eat a lot of things because yeah. my diet had to change I thought maybe I had Crohn's or like irritable bowel whatever so that's all I researched and I went to yeah. the doctors I was like you need to give me Some a dietitian that mm. gave like to give me like what I can eat because I thought I had irritable bowel and she's like oh we'll just do a colonoscopy like We'll find out where it is because the diet depends on what part of your colon it's in or whatever. Mm. And I was like, no, no worries. And then I was doing the bowel prep. <laughs> and because I had the bowel obstruction, obviously the bowel prep can't come out. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like every mouthful I had, I would throw it up. And <sighs> they're like, that's not normal. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of figuring that, but like, what do I do? Mm. And then had a colonoscopy and came out. And my partner was sitting in the waiting room, which in COVID times, no, no one was in the waiting room. Mm. So I was like, what the heck? Sitting there with my little fresh, fresh, tiny Yay. little child. I'm like, oh, they let you in because, you know, you've got a baby. No. Let us in to show us a photo, literally show us me a photo of my colon being like, and this is what cancer looks like. I was like, how are you so upbeat telling me that? Oh, really? That yeah. was what the delivery was like? Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah. up until this point, did, had you um, – experienced cancer by anyone that you know no, or love? No, one. Okay, no so one. it was just, because yeah. that's the thing is, 
I've only experienced it with much older people in my life. Well, I feel like once you're older, the perspective that you've lived life, like that's actually a conversation in the room. Like Mm. you've lived such a good life. Like they see me walk in and they're like, oh, I'm like, you're going through it too. Like it's just as sad for you. But I guess because I've lived such a long, fulfilling most of the time Mm. life, it's just so different. Yeah. So I'm just trying to put myself just to try and imagine what that would have felt like as a new mum. It's like your life's a little bit of a whirlwind and oh. you feel lightheaded like every day. Yeah. And you don't really know what weighs up. And then to be told something like that, what went through your mind when you got that diagnosis? Um, the first thing I was scared of was my partner being a single dad. Yeah. Like that, that instantly. instantly went, yep. Yeah. I was like, like I was like, I do, well, as you know, mums, they, at the first start, you yeah. have to do everything. Yeah, especially if you're breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I do everything. He can't, like, no, <laughs> he yeah. can't do this. That and like, obviously just not seeing her grow up. That was yeah. the first things that came into my mind. But um, then also I was like, I'm going to lose my hair. Like, it sounds so silly, but I was like, my hair is going to be gone. Mm. And it didn't. Thank goodness, like I got to choose a path that that wouldn't happen. But I, that was like, my identity is gone. Mm. I'm done. So what happened from there after the diagnosis? Uh, so my, I don't know what they're called, the radiologist, mm. the guy that did the colonoscopy, um, he messaged luckily a surgeon straight away that he's sent patients to before and got me an appointment the next afternoon, so like after hours. So he had theatre until 4.30 or something and then came and saw me. Um, so it just went straight into the surgeon. So you didn't really get the time to process, which probably a blessing because mm. less time to think about it, more time to just get stuff done. Mm. So I went in, the, yeah, so the next day and he was like, look, it's not looking good from the photos. Obviously, we've got a, like so many more scans and tests we have to do, but mm. like it's large, we'd need to remove it. And I'm like, cool, surgery. Like didn't even want to c-section because I'm so scared of that sort of Mm. stuff so I was like oh god and then he's like hopefully we can get it all from the surgery maybe some radiotherapy probably won't need chemotherapy I was like oh won't lose my hair brilliant like Mm. smiles but um tests showed that it was tracking up my spine which then means so it's gone from stage three of what they originally thought it might have been to stage four because it wasn't just in the localized area with Mm. the surrounding lymph nodes it was tracking up towards randomly my brain which is so unheard of for the kind of cancer it was but yeah between finding out and getting my colostomy which was a bag on my stomach Mm. was two weeks wow I had yeah well 13 days I had to make every decision basically go through test every single day like blood tests after blood tests scan ct pet scan all of it with yeah 13 days Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Did all of this stuff have any effect on your body in that period? As in like, um, I mean, you already probably were sleep deprived yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. But what about things like, were you still feeding, breastfeeding and all that? I had to give it up yeah. immediately. So then obviously I got like the bumps in my yeah. breasts. And because I, I wanted to just be like, oh, Sophia, empty me. But then I was like, no, because that was keep stimulating it. Mm. So yeah, I just had to like stand in the shower for hours on end, just massaging yeah, and then I got my first period that mm. week too. So that was Joy. really great. My gosh. And you, you, if you've had yours, yeah, mm-hmm. the heaviest thing. Yeah, not fun. Oh, bizarre. And like I got it three days before surgery, so I had it for my surgery. And then post-surgery, tell us a bit more about that. Um, well, I woke up and I had a bag yeah. on my stomach. Yeah. Craziest thing. 
ever. Like I thought it was going to be a lot worse. So when they first told me I had to have a colostomy, I was like, what? Completely, like never came to my mind. Mm. Like I was like, oh yeah, surgery. That's obviously scary enough. But I was like waking up with something on my stomach. Mm. No, mm. I wouldn't have thought. But um, the bag was simply there just because I had the obstruction. Mm. I was just getting sicker and sicker. Not even from the cancer. Like I could have got sepsis because it was coming back up basically. Mm. So um, like no, physically you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror and see it. But it was doing such a good job. Like yeah. it was like it saved my life basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, 100%. But I hated her. Like mm. <laughs> I hated her so much. I, it was a girl because she was a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Did you name it? <laughs> no, I didn't because then I thought I'd get an attachment to it. <laughs> It's like when you name your car and then you have to sell it. It's like, ah. (laughs) And I can only imagine like the ups and downs that have happened since, but I do want to talk about one thing that you posted, something quite heartbreaking in July this year when you said you had to spend 12 nights in hospital and you only saw your daughter for a total of six hours in that time. Yeah, so because of COVID, obviously, and I was in a private hospital, so their restrictions were silly high. Yeah, I was in ICU, so... Yeah. I don't really remember even having anyone there, let alone Soph there. Yeah. But yeah, it just got to a point that it was like, my parents, like, oh, so blessed to have the people I did looking after her. Like, mm. she's got such a good connection with my partner and my mum now because she moved in with us. They were sending me like Snapchats and videos. I'm like, I know that they thought that that's what I needed. But every time I saw that she, she was so normal, mm. everything was so normal, but I was like, I got none of that, mm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I didn't get to give her breakfast in the morning or I didn't get to give her a bath. And, like, I'm so glad that she was still doing that. But I was missing out on so much and the doctors were just telling me, like, you'll go home tomorrow and then something would come up. I'd get an infection or something else would happen. And it just, oh, it just played on my mind every single day that I just couldn't be there for her. Mm. Like, she was growing. She was walking mm. and I'd missed all that. She was growing without me and I was like, does she even need me? <laughs> oh my god! No. <laughs> Do you feel like angry? Do you feel like you were oh. robbed from like that? Such a special time. So angry. Like I'm so glad it was found after yeah. I had her because yeah. if I had it had been found when I was pregnant, I probably selfishly would have aborted to save myself. Like obviously, I wouldn't have been able to give her life if I was unwell. So yeah. Um. But I'm so glad that I do have her. But I feel like I've missed out. Like. Oh, probably nine months of her life. Not even like being able to go for a beach walk because I'm not well enough. Or the weather's beautiful, but I can't take her to the park because I'm incontinent. Like, mm. it's just, yeah. <laughs> like, I have, I've lost a lot, but at the same time, I've gained her. And she doesn't remember any, but of, of course, I'm scarred for the rest of my life. But she doesn't know. Mm. She's got her mummy. Like, mm. she's happy. Yeah. And how's your partner been through this whole thing? Yeah. He um put up a brave front. Yeah. Pretended that he was the like, he did what he had to do yeah. for us to get through. But then every time he'd go to work, like he's spoken with a one of the football journalists and I didn't even realise how hard he had taken it because he purposely shut off to me so that I didn't have any extra emotions, mm. which like thankful but also like feel bad that I couldn't be there yeah. for him. But I, I like read that he um would go to work and like He'd never even met these people because he was so new at the club and just break down crying about it. And I'm like, I feel so bad. But of course you're going to be upset. Like, we still don't know mm. what's going to happen. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm through the thick of it, but we still don't know. So, so you still don't know? I was going to ask, what's no. where are you at now? What have they been saying? Um, 
my last surgery, the removal of mm. the what was left of the tumor, I was very lucky. Like chemo and radio did their job completely. Like mm. there was nothing left. Mm. They removed a lot more than they had to, and there was seven out of the hundred lymph nodes that still had microscopic cells. Mm. So um, they can't tell me that I'm cancer free, mm. but all scans show that there's nothing there. So unless there is one microscopic cell. Mm grabs onto something else and grows a tumour or or not, just grows in a lymph node or whatever. He's so happy with how things went, yeah. but he can't tell me that I'm cancer-free. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you managing, like, that level of hope? Um, I think it's harder now yeah. than when, like, I was going through it because I knew that I was doing all the medical stuff that was helping me. Mm. Not like it was making me sicker, but it was making me sicker to get better. Yeah. Now, not knowing, the hope is... All I want is to live as long as I possibly can, but I've got those five years just in the back of my mind, knowing that anything can come up, which is scarier than before. Of course. Yeah. Cal, I wanted to ask as well, with the cancer, did they say anything about, you know, was it your pregnancy that was kind of hiding the symptoms? Did they say anything about how long it might have been there before? Yeah, so they thought it might have been there. It looked like it had been there for about three and a half years, but because of my pregnancy, the tumour fed on the estrogen and it just grew right bigger. So originally they thought it might have been a polyp. Mm. Tiny, had no symptoms prior. Okay. Tiny, grew through pregnancy. So because I was going to ask that, like prior to pregnancy, did you ever have any, you know, irritable bowels or anything like that? The only time I had like something wrong was I maybe like, Three years ago, mm. I had like really frequent bowel movements and like went to the doctors and did like the stool samples and stuff. And they did actually book me in for a colonoscopy just to see what was going on. But um, COVID. Yeah. So they, um, yeah. procedures mm. got cancelled. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then through your pregnancy, did you, I mean, again, I think no, things nothing. like. Everything like the only problems I had in pregnancy were like I had the, the varicose veins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that. I thought that was from baby's head, but it was not. It was from the tumour oh. blocking off. A, it was sitting on a nerve and a blood cell and it was just blocking off a vein. So then, yeah. So was there anything that could have stood out to you or is your message today basically like if anything doesn't feel right, just, just get um, checked? Well, lots of things did stick out now that I know. In hindsight, yeah. Yeah. So like even like labour, trying to push a baby out when there's a full size tumour there. If it's harder than it should be or if midwives or anyone says, like, that's unusual. Yeah, okay. Then there's a reason why, probably. Like, mm. it might, obviously, it might not be what I've gone through, but there is a reason why it was more unusual. Like, don't just let that slide. Like, mm. Go, just follow it up, even if it's nothing. Like, follow it up. Yeah. So that, and then, like, I was constipated for 10 days and then mm. took every laxative you can think of and was just bent over in the shower in pain and... And midwife was like, well, that's unusual. Like, it's not unusual to be constipated, no. But to be in pain, trying Mm. to, yeah, like that's unusual. Um, And then the frequency of bowel movements should be less after being pregnant, not more frequent. Mm. But honestly, if you think there's anything wrong, Mm. just go get checked. Yeah. And and what about for partners or friends if they know of someone – like a loved one going through something like that where they might be away from their child and they're in hospital a lot, visiting hospital a lot. What are ways that people can support that loved one? What, what did you, I suppose, as you had a lot of restrictions because of COVID, right? Mm. And obviously, we're getting to a point where that's 
becoming a little less restrictive within hospitals. So if you take COVID away from it, which is super unfair, what was done that really helped you get through that point? Um, Well, I even had like friends bring in things like colouring in books. I wouldn't have even thought to ask for a colouring in book, but just like small things that are going to keep your mind busy. Yeah. When you're going through things you don't want to be thinking about. Yeah. Or like um, asking like Jeremy, my partner, what can be done for him? So then I don't feel stressed that he's got so all this like on his hands. Yeah. But yeah, like just like things to keep me busy and things so that I knew that they weren't so busy. Yeah. Helped a lot. Oh, I can can totally relate. And as you said before, I think as a mum, that's something you instantly jump to. It's like, yeah. as you said, when you got your diagnosis, you instantly thought, okay, well, him. she's not going to have a mum, so he, yeah. she's, he's going to be alone. Yeah. So I can totally understand that even going through the treatments and stuff like that, you were thinking yeah. about him still. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like yeah. even I've like I've seen, been seeing a psychologist since and every conversation it's like about, she's always like, you need to stop putting up a front and being brave for him. He doesn't need you to be brave for mm. him. Like, you don't need to keep your emotions away mm. for him to be okay. Like, he, he can handle that. Yeah. But I'm like, but I don't need him to go through any more. Yeah. Yeah. Cal, I'm curious to know, and we've already spoken about the fact that you're comfortable to talk about this. Yeah. Curious to know what all of this means for your fertility moving forward. Yeah. So, originally in the first 13 days, they gave me the option to go do the IVF egg collection. Okay. But that would postpone everything by at least two weeks if I got egg collection. My partner wasn't happy with that to happen. Obviously, we were pretty like pumped for time. We needed to get things done. Mm. So we didn't collect, which now looking back, I wish that I did. But knowing how stressful it was then, Mm. I don't think I could have injected myself every day knowing that I might not even get anything and I'm like, I'm terrified of needles, but then also knowing that I'm delaying my treatment by two weeks. Like, yeah, and who knows what that time, like yeah. two weeks is like so paramount in that situation. So after that, I went and got tested after my radiotherapy, which they told me wouldn't affect much, but because of the location of the um, tumour, the radiotherapy was going th- like virtually straight through my uterus to get mm. to the tumour. And set me into early menopause, which is like, it's known as chemo pause, but mm. I'd only been on oral chemo. So that shouldn't affect it as much as it did. Like straight away, they were like, your levels are so low. There's no point, basically. Obviously, I've got hope that things can come back. Mm-hmm. But at that time, they were like, there's there's no point. You're going to be injecting yourself, putting a new hormone into your body while also doing radio and chemotherapy. It's just, it's just not worth it. I was like, I'm so exhausted. I'm not in the place to be thinking about my future. Mm. Now I have been to three different fertility clinics and saw two professors and a doctor and they've given me about a 4% chance of conceiving naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, That will go up to about 15% chance with the um, hormone Mm -hmm. therapy that I'm doing, like the replacements. And then I've also – my partner and I, I haven't done it myself, have also um, just started applying for adoption. So that can take up to three years. But if we luckily fall pregnant within those three years, then we can just say, like, pull mm. us out. But ideally, we would love one more baby. Mm. Well, Cal, yeah. thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I think it's really important. And I think the thing I suppose that I hope most people have got from this is 
if something doesn't feel right, like just go. There's literally no harm in going to get checked. It, yeah. Obviously, you'd hope that nothing, you, you get nothing. And they say there's nothing wrong with yeah. you. And that's, that's great. That's a good result, right? Yeah. But it's just always better to know and to get on top of those things. Yeah. And if something is wrong, it's okay. It's okay as well. Things get better. And I really hope for your sake and your family's sake that you get that reassurance soon. Yeah. Um, but it's good to see that you're doing well and yeah. things get better. They do. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Kelly. I'll pop her information in our show notes so you can go and check her out if you would like to learn more. Laura and I will be back in your ears on Monday and I'll have one more kick bump episode for you before we wrap up for the end of the year. So get ready for Dr. Golly. Very excited about this chat. And as always, if you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there, Kick Bump Facebook community. You are all welcome. It's basically like a virtual mother's group where people can share their stories, their health journeys and ask questions. But I will speak to you guys soon. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at Kipper Cleaner, at Steph Bless Smith. Bye.